oh, the critic he had a fight with tasted his Cuban, and now he's going to finance his restaurant, yep. and yeehaw, everything's back to the boodle. <laughs> All because I took a road trip with my kid and I made some pork. Yep. Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins. Joined, as always, by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Yeah! <laughs> You're going to hear that again. Mark my words. You will hear that scream again. That was more of a Howard Dean in 20, 2004. <laughs> you know what, though? It's funny. The um, uh, I I had uh, I had seen some uh, clips of that at, from different camera angles and and everything, and he he didn't do as crazy. Like it didn't sound as crazy, really, in other clips, huh? Because he, because it was something, it was just something that happened on that particular one, and I don't remember all the, <laughs> d- weird. yeah. Because if you looked at it on the other ones, it, 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 I think on that one it was you didn't know that there was a loud crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus and, his mic may have clipped or whatever. Yeah, right? and so like in the other ones you could hear the crowd. So he's like trying to get he trying to get over that. But I don't think it even sounds like that oh. in other things. But yes, the Howard Dean yes. is what it sounds like. <laughs> um, uh, and from music video since Barrett Share. Oh, Showtime. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um. It's been a it's been a week, so you guys are probably upset about something. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I'm as mad as hell. You've never seen me very upset. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. I've got a simple one. I'll go first. Okay. Okay. So typically, when I'm when I'm browsing online, it's ninety percent through Twitter, and that's kind of embarrassing that I that I say that. But like, typically that's my, like my aggregate to to go out, whether it's like a sports thing or whether it's a entertainment thing or whether it's a cooking thing or something like that. It usually comes from my Twitter feed, and then it goes to their website. Ninety mm-hmm. percent of the time, if I'm looking at Twitter, it's on my phone, and I've got the app. I know you don't do that, but I've got the app, and so it it bounces out into the the iPhone browser. <clears throat> Even with that, like occasionally I'll get non-mutable uh, videos or something like that or ads on the site or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the other day I was just messing around and I went to just a regular site like Deadspin or something like that uh, or uh, Food and Wine magazine. We're looking up a, a, a recipe and I was absolutely on my laptop, on my PC. I know we've got a PC. Just step into the, you know, 2000s and get a, a Mac. But. I was absolutely bombarded by not only ads, unmutable video ads, banner ads, location status, allow block, sign up for our newsletter. It is as bad as I have ever seen it in my entire life. And I guess Apple filters out a lot of that stuff. It doesn't always. But I was shocked to be reminded about how bombarded you are with with shit when you go to websites. There's a there's a couple websites that I like to read. I think it was either the either the Hollywood Reporter or it's one of those Hollywood news type websites that I had to mute the entire website in Chrome. So because it would play uh, auto playing video and audio ads that I can never fucking find yeah. on the page yeah. to mute or turn off. Yeah, Billboard does that too, and a lot. it's. 
it's really, really offensive, and I hate it. Yeah. I don't know that the Macs are, like, free of that shit. I think that's part urban legend, part used to be back in the day. and mm. isn't So So now I think what we're dealing with are people who use Adblocker and people who don't. I don't for a number of reasons, because there are websites I do want to support their advertising. Um, same with videos on YouTube for creators mm. that I like. Uh, but, yeah, it does seem like it's gotten worse than ever. The really annoying thing for me, to piggyback on your rant, is the is the sign up for our newsletter thing that they pop up when you're about to leave the page? Yeah, because yeah. sometimes I'm not going up to leave the page. I'm going up to reread something I read above, mm-hmm. but I still get that. Oh, you're leaving? Here's our newsletter. So I sign up for our newsletter. Blah, blah, blah. I'm yeah. like, I'm not even leaving yet. <laughs> yeah, you mistimed it. Your, yeah, your yeah. trigger is too sensitive, <laughs> you dicks. Yeah, I also wonder how effective are all of those things. Like, are they just effective enough? Is that why we keep yeah. seeing them? I, I have a buddy that works in in actually building these widgets, yeah, um, and putting them like implanting them into websites, mm-hmm. and I think it does. I think it works just enough to where there is a profitable sort of well. There's also outcome for it. There's also uh, just like in any walk of life, there are savvy ad buyers and and stupid ad buyers, mm-hmm. and stupid ad buyers are are probably buying in bulk from a, a distributor that then pushes their ads out to many sites. And they're probably paying for impressions yep. rather than clicks. Yep. Uh, they're probably paying for page views. This this ad that you paid for was shown 10,000 times. Who knows how many people looked at it? Mm-hmm. The savvy people on the far end, they're only paying when there's some kind of a customer action right. done. So a lot, of, a lot of the advertising you're talking about that's bombarding us is just fulfilling the their end of the deal to get the money yeah. we put the ad we put the ad we put 15 of them on every page but we put those ads up and they those are all impressions and we get paid for that i tell you somewhat related is uh the um i'll go to certain sites sometimes and the page will load and it's like okay this is what i want like i'll go to a blog and i want to see the comments on it or whatever and i'm like all right press on the comments and then the page changes slightly to where they've loaded some other like graphic or something Mm -hmm. that pushes that thing that you were clicking on down and then suddenly you're clicking on something that you had no intention of clicking on yep and uh and it's on purpose i'm certain it's on purpose yeah i mean they've got you know this is very much like almost idiocracy right where like every every pixel on the thing has some sort of purpose that could go Mm -hmm. to an ad and I understand why they do it. I understand that you have to bombard to get some sort of value out of your your advertising. Mm-hmm. But uh, I do notice a big difference between the phone and you're right. The phone is getting worse, by the way. And, you know, I've got a fairly new iPhone, not the newest one. <clears throat> but there's a, a night and day difference between using a PC and going to a website and even something like Billboard, Hollywood Reporter, you know, food and wine, dead spin, something like that. SI is, is really mm-hmm. bad about this. And, you know, all you're doing, I understand why you're doing it, but all you're doing is annoying me enough to where I'm not going to go to your site whatsoever. Yeah. So welcome to Costco. We love you. <laughs> welcome to Costco. We love you. Yeah. So that's my <laughs> old man rant. I know uh, people have done the ad blocker and stuff like that. And most people are past this, but I'm not smart enough to get past all that. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm gonna get a twofer in here. I'm oh, going to yeah. sneak a twofer in here. I think we have ranted unofficially about this first topic. And having just recently gone to Baltimore and D.C. for two days, spent time in two airports, two big convention hotels, one baseball game in a stadium, several busy city streets, 
do not stop walking mm-hmm. in the middle of a busy pedestrian thoroughfare, you dickheads. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that asshole. I yeah. think <laughs> I lost a whole hot dog in in Memorial Park at Camden Yards, a baseball stadium with Baltimore Orioles. This is, by the way, a game attended by roughly. 4,000 people. Mm-hmm. And I lost a whole hot dog because this woman in front of me stopped with her husband. And I stopped abruptly. Hot dog comes flying out of the little plastic container. It's okay, though, because she was sorry. Yeah. All right. So that paid for my next hot dog. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. walked her over by the ear to the hot dog vendor and said, she's sorry. Give me a free one. Yeah. Stuff your sorries in a sack. I honestly feel like you are signaling to the world a lack of empathy if you stop in the middle of a busy, like in the airport, at the hockey game, you are saying, I am the only, you are all computer controlled non-player characters, and I am the only real human being. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I can stop right here, and you will shift around me. The easy, the obvious, the nice thing to do is slowly work your way to the outside. This Mm -hmm. is a current. This is a stream. Mm -hmm. This is a river, and you have to be part of it. You can't not. You can't just act like a human once you're in the middle of the river. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This was uh, actually something that I was thinking about, ranting about once I got back from Vegas because every single place that I went to had this problem. Um, and you know, I was sitting there like trying to. I was even like getting like deep philosophical about it and everything. I was just like sitting there, just going. Like, you know, the problem is, man, there are people, the people who aren't in motion, they're the problem. Mm-hmm. People, it's like, it's in, in, at the Rio when you're playing the World Series of Poker and everything, and they unleash thousands of people during a break, uh, which is impossible to do anything that you're supposed to do in the 20 minutes that they give you. <laughs> um, they, you're, you're walking, everybody's walking down the same hallway, down to the same place. Uh, but there are still people who are having conversations in the middle of this. Three people in a sort like in their little circle, mm-hmm. just like yeah, yeah, man, I can't believe that I had aces, and then this guy called me with jack eight and blah blah blah, and it's like, dude, go outside with this. Yep. Mm-hmm. You're that little pocket right there is part of the problem, but there's other little pockets that are the problem. You already have a whole like hallway filled with people trying to sell you stuff and that's annoying mm-hmm. and that's already co- compacting the space oh, as really? it is yes oh i didn't realize yes. that yes they're <laughs> all over the place there's a when you walk uh there's a little concession stand just before you get to the main hallway and there's a guy who's like cell phone protector cell phone oh, protector yeah. cell phone <laughs> protector Hey, sir, you want a cell phone protector? And he keeps saying that stuff. And then you go around, there's all these tables set up. People selling different kinds of playing cards and people selling massages and people selling, uh, you know, tables. Yeah, handies. Hell yeah, it's Vegas. (laughs) There was 20 minutes. (laughs) There was a vendor at the Orioles game who kept yelling, Beer man! Hey, that's me! (laughs) (laughs) Ah, (laughs) But yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? It's the people, those people don't know the idea of getting out of the way to do their thing. It's, they have to do it right there for some reason, and I'll never understand it. Um, the airport is a, is a, is a big problem because it always seems like you have to follow somebody who's, who's walking. You can't find your own lane. Right. And that somebody inevitably always seems to find a way to stop in front of you. Um, I hate, I hate it when people are already stopped. Like this is happens at the grocery store a lot. Your grocery store, I've already ranted about that, where they have all these displays everywhere that already block some of your space. But then you have people who are in the, the one, there's, there's only room for one person to walk mm. in these little aisles. 
And so like, sometimes you see a person who stopped and you see another person coming on the other side, who's coming the other way. And you're like, okay, well, I'm going to have to do some mental math to keep going here. And so you figure out the, you figure out just the right thing. And the person who stopped suddenly starts moving yeah, yeah. and then it screws everything up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Why can't you just stay where you are right now? Yeah, no awareness. Yeah. No awareness at yeah. all. That's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Just no awareness and don't care about other people. I agree. My second is a wreck a warn of a rant because it's praise and rant. All right. And that's the current state of the closed caption glasses at movie theaters. <clears throat> so Chris and I went to see Ad Astra the other day and the movie has a lot of narration. Oh, yeah. I'll speak about this movie at, at length later in the podcast, but it opens and in the first three minutes. Brad Pitt's like, my father went to space when I was 16 and I was like yep gotta go get the caption glasses I'm not gonna understand a single thing he says oh so you left so I got up went down got the caption glasses came in these things are fucking magic because they're clear glasses I've talked about these before something on the side on the on the rims projects the text onto the clear glasses and and here's the real stroke of genius I can adjust where that projection is really you can get at the top or the bottom I can get it at the top or the bottom. I can get it dead center of the picture, depending on where I want to put my head. I can adjust that. What I can't adjust is how fucking tight the thing is back when it gets to my ears. And they made this thing out of, like, molten metal that they shaped to cause cranial damage. (laughs) Just like, how can you make the, the direction of the text adjustable, but the actual grip strength of the glasses is not only not adjustable, but tight as fuck. A really? 11-year-old boy would get hurt wearing this shit. So I don't know if Chris noticed, but every few minutes I had to take them off. And I was trying to time it for non-dialogue yeah, sections yeah, yeah. like the monkeys um, <laughs> so that I, I wouldn't miss anything. But it hurts too much to wear for two hours. How can we be at this point in society? How, can, how can we make something that is both super efficient and really dumb yeah they used uh they used the leftover et cartridges when they made those things. <laughs> they, um, i didn't actually notice that you were wearing that until the credits oh okay uh, i didn't even notice um uh but yeah it's uh it's amazing uh how long how far we've come on those things uh i remember first getting prints that had had subtitles on it and mm-hmm. they had to schedule special shows for yep. it and you had people who were always like can you can you like take the subtitles off can you not because there would not all the time would it be needed mm. like people would people would just be wanting to see the show and so like you know like you look could you run the the normal one sorry no we can't do that and then they then they uh, became a whole different projector that shot yep. uh subtitles on the screen and, oh, two projectors? Yeah, you had your regular projector, and then you had another one that was just attached over here somewhere really? that just shot. And when it was time for a show, you warmed it up, and and cool. then and then when it when you played it, it would just play the subtitles. Huh. And you also had discs that would play the uh, uh, the uh, whatever the descriptive the audio description. Oh, yeah. and stuff for uh, for a visual impair. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's gotten all the way now to where it's in the glasses and they can do it for every show yep. and it's awesome. Yep. It's fantastic. I love it. I don't want to complain too much, but it, it's like the design was made strictly for function and not for comfort. <laughs> and, bring like a headband or something. I mean, like I, that. I, I, every other show, I don't even bother getting them because they're so painful, 
And if I know it's going to be something big, like John Wick 3, I didn't bother getting them because I knew whatever dialogue I miss, it's not, it's not what I'm here for anyway. <laughs> yeah. But with that Astro, I needed, I mean, half the movie is this ponderous inner monologue, <laughs> and I needed to know what, I needed to know, I thought I needed to know what he was saying. Ultimately, not so sure. That's funny. <clears throat> Do you, because uh, you use captions on TV, right? Yeah, if I'm watching, if I'm watching something like, for instance, uh, in, in the movie movie that I'm going to talk about. Uh, where everybody has Scottish accent. Oh, are they Scottish? Uh, yeah. Mm. Um, then I had to put, uh, had to put subtitles on for that. Anytime where there's any, anytime where I think that I can't hear somebody, I'm going to, and dialogue is very important. I usually put it on and I usually put it on almost everything. Mm. Uh, I can probably, I can watch most movies without it, but it's so much, it gives you so much more that you didn't know that you wouldn't have known if you had if you yeah. had uh like for instance game of thrones mm. i watched all of game of thrones without subtitles my you know the entire first run uh then the second time i ran through it i put it on subtitles and i was like oh <laughs> that like that makes sense what he's saying now oh and that's a character's name i didn't know that they were saying some character's name like it'd be like uh, that's that's a, a very good point because even if you don't have any hearing impairment um it can underscore like i imagine the first season of the wire if you went in cold but you had captions on groovy my first season of the wire i was six episodes in and i was like who the fuck is who yeah mm -hmm. i don't remember who was there's <laughs> like 400 characters in that show uh but seeing it under you know and it under underlines hearing it mm. yeah anyway well and and they think, I think these shows think you're supposed to know that when they say these names and these whatever, these, these place names and everything, that you're supposed to know, like just instinctively what mm -hmm. these things are. And I didn't, I went through, like I said, went through Game of Thrones. I was like, Oh, he's talking about a place here and he's talking about this person and all that. And I just, I just let glossed it over <laughs> yeah. last time. That's why like 30 minutes into the movie, you you sit there i mean 30 minutes into the show sometimes you're like what were they doing again yeah. what was the point of this i don't understand where they were going uh so yeah i i put it on quite a bit actually um i'm sure my hearing is not very good hmm. i'm sure if i took one of those tests they would say you have the hearing of somebody who's 60 hmm. uh because i've gone to a lot of concerts and yeah, stuff in yeah. my life uh but uh but yeah i like to use them now and again but you've never used uh, glasses no i've never used glasses they hurt I'm just well, it sounds like a cool idea, but that's that's. Uh, I yeah. probably could have used them during that Astro because mm. there were some there were some moments in there I didn't pick up. Yeah, right. um, I don't have much of a rant at all, so we can go on to the next thing. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Groovy. So we are going to revisit something we haven't revisited for a couple of years, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the poor bastard, lucky bastard. Yeah. In movies. Mm uh we i guess it was it about two years ago last time we did it we did another one that got lost there was one in episode 20 uh and i i, I think that well that was the only one that that aired and i don't i think we did another one after that that uh did not lost the time yeah. well now we're on episode 3760 right. <laughs> so it's been a long time that's right poor bastard you poor man i pity the fool uh, I think wasn't the impetus for this it, one of the impetus, impeti, impeti, is it really? No, <laughs> like it's no. Imp impetuses. Uh, and <laughs> was uh, I think Jeremy saying that Mr. French in The Departed, yeah, uh, the the dude that like <laughs> yeah. just decided from like, hey, I'm gonna pull off this heist to 
fuck it. I'm going I'm <laughs> to blow my own head off. off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a very poor bastard yes. moment where like his world changed in like two seconds. In the blink of an eye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, what, are the, what are some of the biggest poor bastards in cinema history? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with Jeff Daniels and Speed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, first he gets shot then he gets blown up yep he, <laughs> oh, yeah. so so at the beginning and the elevator part uh like they have that you know they have the he and keanu have that discussion about uh what would you do if you know the hostages you know the hostages are there or whatever and keanu makes a crack and shoot the hostages he know? makes that original crack yeah yeah and uh and uh so then later when jeff daniels actually is a hostage dennis hopper uh daniels gives him the okay and he shoots him in the leg and yeah. he just kind of falls limp to the ground jeff daniels is like you fuck <laughs> <laughs> oh he doesn't have a very good yeah he doesn't and, have a very good 24 hours yeah so like he's he's uh you know well they well actually i don't know how long it is because he he does he does have a long enough time to get a cast and get a medal for oh, his stuff right. yeah. and everything and uh and then uh yeah Dennis Hopper's back on the trail he's got he's got the bomb on the bus and everything. Uh Daniel's uh, actually it is maybe 24 hours because he says no, wait a minute. Because Keanu, remember, he Keanu's been drinking or something. No, yeah, because been, they, they were all drinking. The yeah, they all after they prevent the the bomb from going off at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Then they go out and get drunk. I still think maybe it's a, like a week, maybe. It must be because, yeah, you're right. He's yeah. got the cast and everything. But Daniel's in that time gets fucking wasted. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. he makes it's that like crack. A- he's like, I'm going to go have sex with my yeah, wife. I'm going to go home, have some sex. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he's like, he's like, he's like, uh, Harry, you're going to go home and puke. And he's like, well, that'll be fun, too. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's so fucking hungover yeah. that uh, he's probably fine with getting blown yeah, up. Yeah, Keanu calls him on the when he's on the bus and and jeff daniels answers the phone like you better not be calling in sick because i dragged my ass in and blah 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 and uh so he's the but he's the bomb expert he was going to be the guy who like dismantled the bomb on the elevator uh they're calling him he's got all the real expertise and all of this and then he's got his two lackeys or whatever looking for who could possibly do this and he actually gets the idea it could be a former cop that's mm. doing this. So when they finally find uh, the when they find this uh, De- the Dennis Hopper character, uh, they're like, you know, he's like, that's our scumbag, <laughs> and they go to the they go to his house, and he's the one leading the charge. Jeff Daniels is leading the charge into this house, and he's the fir- he goes in there and he he's like, you know, they got all their you know riot gear on and everything, and he's looking around, and then he just looks up and he sees this red light go. And the the camera just you just it just it focuses on him. He's like, I'm I'm done. Yeah, it's just yeah. I'm done. And uh, the, the house explodes and everything. And and uh, and I feel like in a way he's an unsung hero in that movie. Ooh. If you were to talk about speed, how many people would bring up Jeff Daniels in that movie? Yeah, nobody would. You, you think of uh, Canoe and uh, Dennis Hopper, and then you know everybody on yeah, the bus, Sandra, Sandra Bullock, Bullock. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, it, it's it feels like his contribution is lost because, you know, he goes to the house that he's you know Dennis Hopper's not at that house, so it seems like sort of a failure in a way 
uh, and he's not on the bus and he doesn't, he's not able to get, uh, the bomb dismantled because he's done all these things to the bomb to make it where it can't be dismantled. Well, and, yeah, but he makes it, he, you're right because canoe doesn't have the anywhere near the expertise no. that Jeff Daniels character does, right? No, there's a, there's a point where he gets wheeled under the bus yeah, and he's supposed to like go through all these like different cut, you know, cut scenarios and uh and jeff daniels is the one giving him all that stuff and then he's like i see something i see a little wild wire over here you can maybe cut it and he's like no 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 that's a there's a classic decoy and all right. that and you have alan ruck going on that's a classic decoy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <darn. laughs> yeah, yeah. um but like uh everything like so even when he his expertise is demanded in this movie they can't do anything yeah so like it, everything he does seems to get like shortchanged in the movie yeah and uh and and he's the one who's like an actual badass mm-hmm. well he, keanu's a badass too but it, jeff daniels has got all the like you know he's got all the knowledge and everything and he's he's figured out who it is and everything but he's he, everything he does comes up short yeah 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 i don't know you man <laughs> let's not, not do this <laughs> i'm not care about your crime <laughs> well i have a a couple of mine on each list lucky bastard poor bastard are like uh flip sides of the same coin from the same movie oh nice. so i may go a little out of order here but i've been watching match point a l- lot lately really Mm. i guess it recently came on one of the movie channels Mm -hmm. and i had never watched it start to finish there's a genre here between this and unfaithful of movies that appear to be about adultery for (laughs) two-thirds of the way and then suddenly become about murder yes (laughs) i'm I'm searching for a third film and i will put together that that three feature i don't know what the third Mm. film would be but this movie is totally about adultery Mm -hmm. until it's about murder and then it's it's very murder. Yes, it is. Um, mm-hmm. So the poor bastard. There are two of them. The old lady who lives next door to ScarJo. Yes. Who only has to die to help sell the story that this was a, a burglary, drug robbery <laughs> gone wrong. Mm-hmm. And he even does this. It's John Rice Myers. Yeah, John, John the Reese Myers. Reese Myers. He does this thing after he kills her, where he sits on the couch and like he. You can see the shame, man. He <laughs> hates himself for it, but he still has already decided this is the only road for me. Yeah. The other poor bastard is fucking ScarJo. Yep. Because it when the movie opens, she's dating the- Reese Myers' girlfriend's brother, and the parents, the mom especially are giving her shit about being an actress. Why are mm-hmm. you still trying to do this? Why don't you let it go? It's a kid's dream. She's being shit on from the beginning. Mm-hmm. She storms off into the rain because she's being shit on by her boyfriend's parents. And Reese Myers comes out and he's like, hey, want to do it in the wheat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> want to do it in the rain and the wheat? Yeah. That's the single most physically uncomfortable place to have sex. Yeah. <laughs> and they do. Um, and then she gets dumped by the guy. Mm-hmm. Right? Then... Reese Myers bumps into her like a year later at the art gallery, and he's very persistent. She even says, why are you asking me these questions? Don't you have a wife? Aren't you still married? She's like, she pushes away a few times, and then finally, like, he seduces her. They start having an affair. She gets pregnant. Yeah. He keeps promising, I'm going to tell my wife and leave her to come be with you. I don't feel like ScarJo does much wrong in this movie at all, and Mm. then she just gets murdered. She doesn't at all. And, I mean, she's a femme fatale in in a broader sense like she's flirting with him from the very beginning but not in an antagonistic way it's just like they're connected like they they have this attraction to each other from the very beginning even before like she breaks up with the boyfriend and he gets married and all that stuff if i remember this correctly he's 
married into money, and that's that's why he's so tenuously holding on to this, and that's why he's got to do this to get out, yes. right? Yes. Now they are not. But there's married. a million different things, that, things that he could have done. He's, yes, but that is the that is the deal. He's married into this money. He's got this great job from that the father-in-law right, gave right, him. Yeah, There's yeah. a brand new deal at the end that's going to make them all ten times richer. And he ultimately realizes he, if he has to choose, that's the life he would. He even has this conversation with his friend about, I'm thinking about leaving my wife for this other girl. And the friend ultimately is like, doesn't really sound worth it, man. Yeah. You're going to lose everything. Yeah. Uh, the, the lucky bastard is the fellow tenant who leaves his apartment after the old lady is shot. Stops by her. He's apparently checks on her. Bangs on the door. Reese Myers is inside the door hiding, hoping that this guy's <laughs> just going to go away. Guy goes downstairs and outside of the apartment building, runs into ScarJo, yeah. who then goes inside and dies. And that dude was like 10 seconds either way from being the third victim. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's and true. And I uh, have watched that movie probably four times in the last week. Interesting. I don't know why. There's something very compelling about I it. I love that movie. Match Point's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's another aspect to it is uh, I think uh, Reese Myers, is it Emily Mortimer that's his mm-hmm. uh, girlfriend in that? Uh, or wife? It's wife, right? It's wife. Turns yeah. into wife. And, yeah. uh, and, 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 uh, he can't get her pregnant right. is is a big deal and she, and scarjo gets pregnant almost immediately mm-hmm. and she has logic much like cameron diaz does i mean <laughs> it's a little bit a little less than the cameron diaz and vanilla sky reason <laughs> but like she's like that's a baby that's created out of real love you need yep. to come to me you don't need to go to her if you you can't make a baby with her so it's i'm i'm the one that you really want here and everything well and he even says can't you get rid of it and she's like i did that once when i was a kid and i did it once for this guy that dumped me because he pressured me and i don't feel like i can do that and i just feel like she she ends up the movie kind of makes her very shrill at the end where she's like she she stalks him at work. Yeah, it's Shock, a Woody Allen, a Woody Allen thing for <laughs> sure. She's screaming at him, but she's not a she hasn't done anything wrong in my she book. Has she's not, not a villain. She goes from being this glamour. I mean, she's shot in like gauze lighting, like mm-hmm. this beautiful, and she has never been more beautiful on camera. I don't, I don't. You could debate that, but she's gorgeous. And then by the end of it, she's a, just a sniveling mess. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, there's a lot of that shrill. Like you're almost rooting for jonathan reese myers character you're supposed to from the 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 lens at least least understand his choices yeah yeah yeah. which i'm telling you there's a third movie out there that is two-thirds about adultery and then turns hard into murder and i'm gonna find oh you're gonna find oh um crimes and misdemeanors well see i haven't seen that's another woody allen movie that's it's very it's it's almost it's funny because that's Technically, it's half of the plot. Right, right. right. It's, it's the crimes and then the misdemeanors. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> first, you cry. <laughs> then, then you cry then again. Then you cry again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then you get the misdemeanors. Uh, uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm glad that's on. I'm going to have to seek that out. I yeah, like it's that either uh, Showtime or Cinemax, I think. Uh, here's a movie from right around that time that we've talked about before, but The Cooler. Okay, yeah. Um, if you haven't seen The Cooler yet, you should watch The Cooler. Cooler is awesome. Yep. It's a dynamite movie, very self-contained. There's a movie about Vegas and like, you know, there's there's a lot going on in this. There's a lot of like, you know, corporate influence bringing Vegas into the next, you know, step of its career and there's mob stuff and then there's all kinds of, you know, <laughs> tangential things, but essentially The Cooler is about William H. Macy's character. He's a cooler, and a cooler is somebody that literally walks up to a table that is doing well, mm-hmm. or up to a person that's doing well, and makes them not do as well. Yes. Okay. I know By this is virtue a, of them just being bad just luck. Just being there. Yeah. Yes. 
Now, I know this is, I, I think this is a myth in, in Vegas and gambling circles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But to me, the movie is presenting him like he almost has a supernatural power. Yes. Like, it's it's not just like, oh, it's an old Vegas trick to throw and out it, the cooler or and whatever. And it's not until they saddle him with Maria Bello, like, it's supposed to be like this just random thing, and and it changes his luck. Yeah. And so, it, I like the approach that the movie takes. Mm-hmm. That this is, that they don't make a big deal out of it. It's just literally accepted as fact that if this guy walks up to you, he's such a sad fucking sack that mm-hmm. you're going to start losing money. Yeah. And the funny, okay, so he's a poor bastard because he had a gambling problem. Alec Baldwin's character takes care of it for him uh, by injuring him, basically. And so he doesn't gamble anymore, but he's making a living by being this cooler. So he's a poor bastard by getting himself into debt, losing all of his stuff, and then like being the worst person in a casino yes and then it gets even worse so he meets a girl the maria bello and they have the sex they have the nudity sex yeah but then they it turns out alec baldwin's character had set up her to get with him in the first place so that he would stay right and then he starts getting luckier and everything and now he has to like separate her from him because he's not doing his cooling thing anymore Mm mm-hmm God, yeah. everything bad well, in the universe happens well, to this and, and let's not forget his uh, his his son Sean Hattesey yeah. and, and his uh, his uh, uh, girlfriend fiance oh, Estella yeah. Warren yeah, yeah. coming in there and she's pretending to be pregnant yeah. and everything. And so now he's got to get money for them and everything. Yeah. Oh God, no, he is. I, I know William H Macy can play a loser in a sad sack, but this is like the epitome of it. Mm-hmm. Because when he when he comes up from air from air when he comes up for air when he has that relationship with maria bella that starts as a fugazi but then turns into like an actual relationship mm-hmm. he he starts smiling and he starts getting happy and you're like oh it's probably gonna be oh no this, this is gonna end badly watch that movie and try not to fall in love with maria bella yeah mm. it's one of those it's impossible i think it is it's impossible she's it's impossible not to fall in love with ron livingston too that's true hey it's I very agree. true <laughs> all right you got more uh so i'll go on to the lucky bastard um uh all the protagonists of lock stock and two smoking barrels <laughs> i haven't seen this movie in forever so i'm eager um, to hear this i'm gonna i'm gonna read this straight from the paragraph because there's so much that goes on in this and i'm still skipping over things right. but so after their buddy eddie gets taken for all of his and all of his buddies money including jason statham early jason statham all right. um at a poker game and ended up owing the big gangster guy at the end so they have to find money now not only have they lost all their money they have to they owe money um they uh they just happen to be next door to a a gang that is plotting to steal from drug dealers not only their money but the weed there so they Uh have a so they so they hear this they like some random happenstance occurs where they where the guy hears he puts his ear up against the closet back of the closet (laughs) and he can hear the other gang talking about this big heist that they're about to do Uh so he so the the decision is once they get back from that heist, they're going to go over to the neighbors while they're gone and steal all the weed and the money. And then because they're the neighbors, they're, they're like the least likely suspects, right? Uh-huh. They go in there and they do all the stuff. They, they, uh, they actually, uh, uh they actually 
uh, Eddie and the gang go in there and they beat those guys up and they point, point guns at them and everything. They steal the weed and they steal the money. And the, the, the head guy of the gang's like, I'll find you. And he's like, sure you will. And he's like, Oh, I'll find you. And, uh, and because of some stupid thing that happens later where the guy like rams one of his henchmen into the closet, they see all these microphones and stuff set up <laughs> inside there and they're like, Oh, they're the ones who must have done it. Ah. Um, so our protagonist now with weed and money, they decide they want to sell the weed as well. So they sell a weed to this guy named Rory Breaker. Rory Breaker is the main like backer of the drug dealers that got stolen from in the first place so, <laughs> so he realizes that these drugs are his and they're being sold back to him and uh and uh so so he gets pissed off at this at the protagonist and the gang next door is pissed off at the protagonist and they both descend on this on these people's apartment <laughs> to come get revenge and get their money and their and their weed back and everything but the protagonists aren't in there but like the 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 main that main gang and Rory Breaker are both in there at the same time. They don't know who each each uh. other are, and they blow each other away and kill each other. So like, uh, it, so like there's a whole point where Eddie is like sitting there going through all the things. It's like okay, so if I if I understand if I understand correctly, uh, all the money in the weed that's been that's that's accounted for. We don't have that anymore. Uh, that gang is completely dead, so they're not after us anymore. The cops don't think we're on, in on it, so we're, we're clean the clear there. And if I have it, everything correctly, we've done nothing wrong, and we're completely in the clear. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and so, like, there's a point, too. Remember, there's also this thing, uh, this thread involving antique guns in the movie as well. Uh, uh there's a point where they're, they're trying to, they, to get one of their guys to try to sell the antique guns. And there, he's not getting anything for them because nobody knows what they are yet until Vinny Jones pops up towards the end. And like, actually, like, there's this big, huge, like, standoff that happens where they both sort of agree not to kill each other and everything. <laughs> uh, he gives them a book later on and, and just says, he says, I'm, I'm assuming this is going to be the end of our business or whatever. And he walks off. And they open up the book and they find out the antique guns are worth like, Un- incredible amount of money ah. you could get a like you know a ton of money at softbees for it or whatever and so like uh so like the movie ends with this like did they or didn't they because they were like gonna throw the guns into the river oh. the guy ends ends up missing uh and then they're trying to call him while he's trying to throw the throw the guns in the river and uh and like uh uh, they, they leave it on this whole thing where he's reaching for the guns uh-huh. and the movie kind of ends there they don't know if you they we don't know if they ever got it but they could end up, if he gets the guns, they could end up actually profiting all the money that they were, they were going to end up being in the hole for. So, and they leave it up to you to, to decide. Ah. But still, even if they don't get those guns, think about all the stuff that has to happen for them to survive <laughs> this whole thing. I've like skipped over like tons of stuff that's in this movie too. Like there's so many like weird, like, you know, like they don't know that this guy knows that this other person mm-hmm. knows type of things happening in the movie. Uh, so yeah, there you go. I and need that- to go back to that. Have you seen this uh, fairly yes, recently? Yes, but only when it came out. I remember Josh and all my roommates and I in like 99 or whatever rented that shit from Blockbuster and ate it up. And now Guy Ritchie made the live action Aladdin movie. Yeah, yeah. man. That early Guy Ritchie stuff, like Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, Snatch. And like uh, he did something else that was in that kind of 
voice. Oh, he did uh, Rock and Rolla. Rock and Rolla, yeah. yeah. It's just, it, there was there was very little that I had seen that was very much like that. That was hyperkinetic and edited, probably hyper-edited, but I dug it. Like, but it worked funny, for man. Yeah, I remember yeah, yeah. Lockstock being funny as much as it was anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good shit. All right. Um, <clears throat> I got another uh, poor bastard. Okay. Um, I'm hopping all over the topics back and forth, <laughs> bebopping and scatting all over the place. In Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, um, which is a movie I'm on record as saying I, I like more than most. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, the, It opens at a animal clinic. Um, but after that, there's a chase where the new Terminator is chasing John Connor and Claire Danes. And the old Terminator is trying to keep up with the new Terminator to save the day. And there's like... It's like a heavy equipment chase. Do you remember this? Like, well, there's a mm. massive fire truck, and then there's some, I don't even know what to call the 18-wheeler double wide that's blue and yellow that has like a crane and a fucking hook yeah, or a yeah, winch yeah, yeah. and all this shit. Uh, and that's, that chase is righteous. But when we're at the animal clinic, it's night. And by the time we get to La Cienega or whatever that fucking L.A. road that chase happens on is, mm-hmm. it's like it's like dawn. Right, like the sun mm-hmm. is beginning to rise, and John Connor crashes into this other car, and the guy's all meathead. He gets out, and John Connor's car won't start. He's like, "Hey, you're not going to drive away after that? We just had a collision!" Hey, and he's like screaming, and you think, "What an asshole!" Right, and then John starts his truck and takes off, and the new Terminator comes in with that big ass fucking building vehicle and just stomps all over this guy's car <laughs> and uh, every time i see it i'm like man he very clearly got up early on purpose to avoid traffic <laughs> so that he'd be on the road at 4 30 in the morning right as the sun's coming up and he has two accidents neither of them his fault and now this fucker's got to find a way to work yeah i just feel like he is the most shat upon guy in the entire terminator universe <laughs> even more than the step parents in t2 because they were at least yeah. assholes yeah they were dicks this I guy uh, I think Sarah's roommate got dicked over in That's uh, true. the original one. That's man. true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are plenty of uh, poor bastards in the Terminator but, uh, franchise. I like what you're saying. The dude got up early to go to work. I've been in L.A. Traffic. Those roads aren't empty except at 4.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, so that was a poor bastard, That was a right? poor bastard. You can go back to Lucky if you want. I'll do. I'll alternate. because I'll, I'll do a Lucky Bastard. And I just watched this fairly recently. Burn After Reading. Mm. Yeah. Burn After Reading. That's another one. If you haven't seen it recently, or if you haven't seen it at all, this is A plus recommendation. It's zany. It's it's labyrinthine. Labyrinthian? Labyrinthian. Is that right, too? I think that's actually yeah. a word. Uh, but uh, but it's, it's silly, but it's also really amazing. The amount of star power is ridiculous. Brad Pitt, George Clooney, Francis McDormand, Richard Jenkins, Malkovich. And J.K. Simmons plays the uh, CIA director, right? And so all these, there's there's a lot of involvement from the CIA. John uh, John Malkovich's character is an ex-CIA operative uh, that leaves and he's writing his memoirs and stuff like that. And he starts the whole thing off. And so the CIA wants to make sure that their shit doesn't mm. get into the wrong <laughs> hands. And it never does. Like, it's never really out of their control, except for the people. Because there's a sudden murder there's a sudden like exposure. There's a su- there's actually a second sudden murder that happens, <laughs> and so this all this crazy stuff happens. And I'll I'll try not to spoil it for you. All this crazy stuff happens with all of these characters. But then at the end, it's J.K. Simmons as the CIA like assistant director or whatever, and his his underling reporting everything to him. And 
basically what happened to all these characters. And he's like, well, one of them got shot and uh, one of them uh, was attacked by a hatchet and uh, he's dead. <laughs> and uh, one of them uh, got shot uh, by one of our, our guys in the area. And J.K. Simmons is like, oh, is he dead? He's like, no, he's in a coma. And he's like, God damn it. And he's like, well, they think he's going to stay in a coma forever. And he's like, well, I guess we'll deal with it when we deal with it. <laughs> and one character goes to Venezuela and he's like, oh, that's cool. You know, Venezuela is non-extradition. Send him to Venezuela. That's fantastic. <laughs> and uh, basically everything has been taken care of. They have to pay off one person. He's like, pay it. It's fine. And uh, so then he closes the book and he's like, well. I guess we've uh, we've learned something, you know. D don't do that again. <laughs> and then he looks up. He's like, "Well, I don't really know what we did." And yeah. He's like, "Yes, sir." Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. The guy doesn't have to do fucking anything. This yeah. is a total clusterfuck of a situation yeah. involving like tens, dozens of people. But he's just like, "Well, tell me what happened." Well, do we need to do anything? No. Oh, we're good. This. Yeah. All right. Take care of that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's the greatest ending. It's so fucking great. And of course, J.K. Simmons plays it off perfectly mm -hmm. because. He's he's looking inquisitive and he's worried about something. And he's like, oh, "All right, I guess we're all good." So is this who's the poor bastard? No, this is the lucky bastard. Who's the lucky bastard? J.K. Simmons is the lucky bastard. Oh, because he, he doesn't, doesn't have, have to, to do anything. Nothing at all. Mm -hmm. He's got this massive, just disaster of a situation mm -hmm. that is is self contained. It's like nuking a tornado. Yeah, I don't know. It's like it's like dissolving something by taking the oxygen out. It's the oxygen bomb from Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. That just dissolves everything right. internally. Yeah. So great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I wish the fuck I knew what we, what we did. Do you have any more? I have several. Awesome. I got a bunch, too. Um, uh, Michael K. Williams in The Road. <sighs> I think I may have even brought this up before. I don't know if we brought it up in this uh, particular oh. format, but... Um, but the there he, Michael K Williams is playing a thief and he uh is uh get he gets caught stealing Vigo and his kids stuff mm. and Vigo's got a gun and he he tells he, he ends up telling that guy uh I want you to strip down naked out in the cold and yeah. and that's his punishment and and the performance Michael K Williams puts in on this it's devastating. Yeah, it it's, is. It, I know he's a thief. I know he tried to do this, but this is a punishment that is way more than the crime is. It is. It's a it's a punishment, and everybody's in hyper survivalist mode, right? So, mm -hmm. like, anytime, yeah, it's a, it is a punishment, but he also is trying to get that clothing and those shoes and everything. Mm -hmm. The shoes is the worst part, man. Yeah, yeah. Where he's like, you know, don't take my shoes. And oh. yeah, and he's just he's just standing there naked, and he's just like freezing and just like looking at him, like, can you show any compassion at all? And apparently not. Yeah, mm. and yeah. and that's how they leave him. Oh. Mm. Have you watched that movie more than once? No. <laughs> <laughs> Enthusiastically, he replied. Oh, dude, I read no. the book, then watched the movie, and mm -hmm. I was like, I am closing the chapter of that. Is it? Whole is story. it in the book? That? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And this it's, is a Cormac it's McCarthy, right? Mm -hmm. It's very faithful to uh, the book. I think in both. Uh, the Vigo character is not named, I think he's named man. Okay. And, uh, the son is boy. Mm -hmm. Um, and I read it because I love post-apocalyptic stuff. Mm-hmm. 
But this is a different sort of story. Have you seen the movie? Yeah, but once, and I've, I don't remember it very much. Well, I mean, it, it, really, it really is about the day-to-day struggle of a post-apocalyptic thing. Mm-hmm. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. There's no justification for what happened. Matter of fact, I don't think we ever know what happened. Yeah. Uh, but then, so- at the end, Vigo finds the mailman costume mm-hmm. and puts it on <laughs> and starts delivering mail. Yes. From the shanty towns. He does. Shanty towns. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how this movie got greenlit because this is like just, it's bleak the it's movie. It's bleakness like, the movie. Yeah. Vigo, Vigo does give reasoning and that reasoning feels sound in the world that they live in. Yeah. It's just too much for this uh. one, for this person to watch, especially watching his, Michael K. Williams' performances during, performance during that thing. It is will rock you yeah. when you see that yeah. part yeah 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 mm-hmm. uh, that's a good one that's a poor bastard right there yeah and oh, a poor yeah. Bastard. oh yeah i'm gonna do another twofer do it and we're going to the world of that thing you do a movie i've probably seen 60 times mm-hmm. really that much now here's a band like thousands tens of thousands of other bands the oneaters Yes, they, they are the wonders, spelled O-N-E. They practice in somebody's garage. They're nobody. Mm-hmm. They're going to a talent show, and their drummer breaks his arms because mm-hmm. he's an idiot. Pretty sure it's Giovanni Ribisi. Yeah. <clears throat> How does he break his arms? Jumping over a concrete. It's some stupid, oh, yeah. like the way I would break my arms, <laughs> like jumping over something in the parking lot. Um so what does the band do? We've got this show already booked. We're a band that doesn't have shows. We need a substitute drummer. So they go get uh, Tom Everett Scott. They play this talent show. But at the talent show, Tom Everett Scott speeds the song up. He, he takes it from a ballad to a, a, a pop song. Mm-hmm. They get heard there by the Villa Pianos pizza guy. Who books them to play at the pizza place on weekends? They get heard there the next week by the guy who lives in a trailer whose bird dog and days are done. Um, <laughs> he signs them. What feels like eight hours later introduces them to Tom Hanks's character who works at the big record label. And then, boom, this band is off and running. They have a top 10 hit. They're in the state fair circle. They're making major motion pictures. They go on the Hollywood television showcase. <laughs> and all the way back in Podunk, Pennsylvania, is the actual drummer of that band <laughs> sitting on the couch <laughs> watching this success with Tom Everett Scott's parents. Nice. Yep. And that is a poor bastard because he was he's the drummer. Yeah. He breaks his arms and everything good that happens to that band happens afterwards. Yeah. And by virtue of that, Tom Everett Scott's character is a lucky bastard. Yes, he is. Because what was just a fill-in gig, a fill a temporary gig. He's a salesman. He sells ranges and ovens at his dad's <laughs> appliance store. He's he's out of high school. He's like 24. He takes this gig and boom, next thing you know, he's jamming in the studio with Del Paxton. How old are they supposed to be? I think they're all supposed to be college age or yeah, yeah, yeah. out of high school. Mm. But um, yeah, I've, I, that's always bothered me that that band. Uh, granted, they they come right back to earth that later that summer. Yeah. Their their time in the spotlight is short. But the the actual drummer of that band didn't get to experience any of that shit. That's hilarious. He got completely shafted. Oh my god! All yeah, because he's not bastard. as handsome as Tom Everett Scott. Yeah. Who is That's though? True. Back in that day, no, yeah, not very many people. Looking, Jonathan Sketch. Oh yeah, Jonathan Sketch. Sketch. Who was that? I quit. The lead singer. I quit. Oh yeah, I quit. <laughs> I quit, Mister White. Is that uh, the one Liv Tyler's boning? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, 
I mean, they're dating. Who knows if they're boning? It was yeah, it doesn't seem like they're boning all that much. No. Nobody was boning in the sixties. No, <laughs> no, they were just holding hands. No, no, there's a Diane Dane. There's Diane Dane. <laughs> I had like my whole first boy girl thing with, with you. This is a whole play. It's a Playboy Bunny. <laughs> I could uh, quote that movie all day long. Wow, this is like this is. There's a girl in there was drinking alone <laughs> back where I come from. That thing, that just ain't right. <laughs> um. Uh, all right, I got a weird poor bastard. It's a poor bitch. It's uh, <laughs> you're on a roll today, Barrett. <laughs> it's all of that misogyny is coming out. <laughs> I wanted to. It's like a wizard is a war. Or the witch female. The male witch is a warlock. Mm-hmm. So a female yep. bastard. Female bastard. Sophia Vergara in Chef. Okay. okay. This woman. Bends over backwards for John Favreau's character, mm-hmm. El Jefe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she was obviously married to him before. Uh, she supported him during his early days of chefdom because apparently he's so brilliant. He's so brilliant. It's not like he has much of a personality, though. Mm-hmm. It seems like he can only function in a kitchen environment, right? And function in the kitchen environment, he does very, very well, which the movie goes to great lengths to say. But then they finally get a divorce. They've got a kid. He doesn't spend any time with him. So uh, Sophia Vergara's character takes care of the kid. She stays in touch just like unconditionally with this guy and like supports him and says, oh, you need to get back to with your kid and all that stuff. And he's having an affair with ScarJo and all that stuff. He's- <laughs> They're always having an affair with ScarJo in these movies. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's he's dedicated to the kitchen and stuff like that. She's completely understanding, right? He gets canned, and so what does she do instead of either kicking him while he's down or just basically saying, that's karma? No, come to Miami with us and, like, you know, hang out on my dime and take care of the kid and stuff like that. Then she facilitates her ex, Robert Downey, getting him a fucking food truck. Mm -hmm. Then... You know, she basically says, well, you know, I'll give permission for the kid to go with you if you, you know, if he wants to, if you want to. Totally understanding all this shit. All she gets in return is him getting pissed off that she may have had sex with Robert Downey Jr. after him. (laughs) That's as much as he does. Now, at the end, they fucking reconcile and she's dancing and everything worked out. What did he do to earn back her... She's Affection like the, I'd say that she he loves her one like accidentally. She's one like time. the manic pixie ex-wife. She is, mm, man. She mm. bends she does everything for this dude. Even though she's a wild success, I don't even know what she does. I think it's intimated that she's an actress or something. Oh, she's like definitely that. an actress. Mm-hmm. Um but <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, and I, I know there are people involved in toxic relationships and stuff like that to where they can't really escape all that. But talk about being subtly shit on for an entire movie like he does nothing to earn her love affection and support from beginning until end and the fact that they get the most offensive part about this movie which is a breezy movie and i love Mm -hmm. but the most offensive part is that they get back together at the end as like husband and wife they get remarried why? Because he's got a brick and mortar uh, restaurant. With I enjoy the sh- I enjoy the shit Platt. out of this movie, but even the everything about this ending is offensive to me. Yeah. from like a writing standpoint, because it's like the neatest bow ever. Oh, the critic he had a fight with tasted his 
Cuban, and now he's going to finance his restaurant. Yep. And yeehaw, everything's back to the boodalita bungahe. <laughs> All because I took a road trip with my kid and I made some pork. Yep. Mm-hmm. I really don't feel like there's a lot of character growth there. Nope. I feel like it's just he was angry. He stopped being angry, and everything went his way. He wasn't even angry until you know the the Dustin Hoffman character like pushed his buttons essentially. Yeah. Before that. He was happy as like pig shit. Like he was happy, happy as a pig and shit. He's going to the fucking like farmers market yep. and getting all the good stuff. And he's all that experimenting stuff. in the kitchen and cooking. He's and, doing yeah. the exact same thing at the end of this movie as he was at the beginning of yeah, this movie. Right. Just has different financial backing. And you're right. They, I love this fucking movie. Yeah, but it's just total food porn, and yeah. that's it. Yeah. Uh yeah. And Did you see okay. there's a there's a second season of the chef show? I mm-hmm. saw it got picked up, yeah. Uh no, the um I still want the uh the Cuban sandwich that they make in that thing. Uh, I, I do too. I feel like there's a a hunger that still hasn't been sated. Mm-hmm. Like I've eaten many times since watching that movie, <laughs> but there's still something in the base of my, you know, so wherever the hunger comes from that's like you still haven't had that Cuban sandwich. <laughs> And therefore, you have not been sated. What's mm. beautiful about the Cuban sandwich is that it's perfect for that food truck concept. Mm-hmm. Because when you get food truck stuff, at least when I do, it can be the highest rated food truck in the world. I'm still probably getting cold, stale tater tots topped with whatever kimchi or whatever it is that you're putting on it. Because just by necessity of having to get that much food out, it's not going to be the quality that you think it is. But a Cuban sandwich, the way that he explains it in that movie, you can make it... The exact same way every time. Mm -hmm. You can make it to where it's not burned, to where it's perfectly crispy, and it's all self-contained. All the stuff that makes it delicious is on the front end, all the Mm -hmm. prep stuff. So, yeah, there's a lot to like about that movie. But it ain't Sofia Vergara, poor poor bastard. Yeah. (laughs) Um uh, I will. I have uh, another lucky bastard. And do we want to do recommends and warns after this, or do we want to just con- just deplete all of our our lucky bastard? And- let's go. I'd like to get to into some recommends and warns. Yeah, let's go one more round, and then we'll go into. Okay. Um. So, uh, I have a lucky bastard. Uh, I'm going to say Reese Witherspoon in Election. Mm. Lucky bastard. Mm. Lucky bastard. Interesting. Think about all the things that she survives to become class president in this yeah. movie. First off, she has two what would be recognized as scandals in the school. That's true. One is the affair with a teacher. Now, she's the victim in that situation. But if anybody found out about it, she would not be elected class president. Agreed. Um, The other part is that she tore down all the Paul Metzler's posters. That's true. Yeah. And if it's not and, and she has a there's a witness to it, but it happens to be the best witness. And that is Tammy Metzler, who really doesn't want to be class president and doesn't care if she gets in trouble for it or not. And she tells uh, McAllister, I'm the one who tore down the posters because she's angling to get into that Catholic girl. Yeah. School. <laughs> <laughs> um, what does she take? What, what is the straw that breaks the camel's back on the. Is she just upset so much and sees all those posters that she snaps? Yeah, she... Um, she hers is coming down, and she's trying to get it back up, and it keeps oh, falling down, that's and she right. gets on and that it, trash And from what I understand, yeah. too, it took forever to get that to do just the right thing. The too. sign itself? Yeah, like, this. She, she would paste it up, and the, that shot, it's supposed to be all in one shot. She gets it up, and then she walks away, and then it comes down. So they had to do that a bunch, oh, I wow. think. Um, so yeah, it keeps coming down and then finally it comes down into the point where she tries to fix it and she tears it accidentally. Oh yeah. And, um, and then, so, you know, that, that music starts playing yeah. and, ah, 
<laughs> and she sees Paul Metzler with the football and everything, and she just tears down all of his posters. And then, uh, so, so there's, there's two scandals right there that make, should ensure that she's not president. Um, so then after that, think about this. Um, Paul, if he votes for himself, there's no controversy. Right. He, he ends up being the president. There's no controversy. Um, the, the other part of this is when McAllister does, uh, crumble up the two votes that make it where she was the winner and, and make Paul the winner. And, uh, he throws them in that trash can. It has how happens to be the most nosiest janitor in the world <laughs> is going through McAllister's trash to find those two votes that have been crumpled oh, that's up. That's true, yeah. And think about also the reason why he he's apparently getting back at him, too, is because he's in the refrigerator throwing all this stuff out, and he misses with his Chinese food, <laughs> and it just falls on the ground, and the janitor looks at it like, oh, I'm going to have to clean that up later. I, I, and uh, I don't think the movie ever shows like McAllister just like ignoring it or whatever. He was throwing stuff in a trash bag. Yeah, yeah. He thought it was in the trash. Like, did he really look down at the floor and see that and just go, eh, Jenner's <laughs> going to get that? The movie never really says. However, he has, he has made enemies with the janitor and the janitor is the one point. who finds the votes. Yeah. And, and the, if, if he doesn't, if he's not that, if he's not that dedicated to his job, she's still not the president. So, I, uh, just does McAllister's life crumble as much as it it does? Because he's still going to get found out about the affair. Yeah, right. But like, he doesn't get fired. He doesn't get fired. Yeah, seriously. He, I mean, he's a bad guy. So I would hate to call him a poor bastard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but like, yeah, his life crumbles because of that whole thing. <laughs> He All he had to do was put that crumpled up vote paper in his goddamn his pocket, yeah, his pocket. Yeah. instead of the trash. Yeah. That drives me nuts because, I mean, granted, that's probably exactly what he would have done is toss it in the trash. Well, like, because who's going to look? Yeah. And, who, and like the janitor, I sit there and I think about that janitor looking down on the trash going, huh, what are these crumpled pieces of paper? <laughs> oh, they're votes? Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's plugged into the electoral process, yes, process he is. of the he student is. body. Not to mention the odds that that election would come down to like one vote yeah I yeah mean, i don't think that's the case i, I mean i've well uh, i guess i guess it's different school to school every school i ever went to that jock would have beat the shit out of the overachieving girl every time but i guess i bet there are schools where the overachieving girl would win just because of name recognition or everybody says well, oh, t oh she's smart i'll vote for her i think mine would have gone to the jock too. also let's not forget the that Tammy, if she had stayed in the race, would have gotten more votes than both of them, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, yeah, because she's like, who cares about this stupid election? Yeah, right? yeah. And they had to disregard all of those votes. So she would have actually won. Hmm. Uh, but she, she had another angle going on. Yeah. She didn't care about any of that stuff. She wanted to get so with Jennifer at the Catholic <laughs> girls' school. <laughs> and she does. Yeah, she does. Yeah, she does. She does. Jennifer. <laughs> Juniper. There's a guy who's a poor bastard. Uh, in uh, there are several in the Born series, but the one that I always laugh at the most is the kid in the beginning of Born Supremacy uh, in Italy, because this is where Born has found out. Well, his girlfriend's been shot, so he knows that they're coming after him again. So he lets his passport get scanned mm -hmm. on purpose, and while he sits there silently looking at the wall, this guy's trying to question him. But you can tell this guy's like a 25 year old, fresh out of like the academy. <laughs> and 
it's probably an exciting day in his Italian post to even have someone to question. <laughs> but he's not expecting this guy to be Batman. And what Bourne's trying to do is wait for, he doesn't know it's Pamela Landy, but wait for a CIA boss to call this guy. Then he beats that guy's ass, clones the phone, so he can basically get information on those who are tracing. But this guy gets the shit beat yeah. out of him. Yeah. All because he happened to be working that day. <laughs> like, he doesn't have any clue. He even says, like, he even says to her, she's like, is the place locked down? He's like, oh, totally. We don't really do that kind of thing around here. <laughs> and and Bourne just, it takes about 1.2 seconds and Bourne just destroys that yeah. guy. Yeah. And he didn't, it's not his fault. He's going to be walking with a limp the rest of yeah, his he life because he's showing up. He's not a part of that Blackstone <laughs> shit. He's just, oh, he's just a guy. Yeah. It's a means to an end. And yet you'd understand why Bourne has to take him out. I just feel, feel really bad for that guy. Bourne beats up a lot of people who probably don't deserve it, but you know, a lot of them are cops or active mm-hmm. field agents. And this guy is just like, <laughs> hi, my name is Bob. I'm supposed to detain you because you flagged on our passport computer. Can I get you a coffee? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So a lucky bastard. Winston Duke's character in Us. <laughs> and I thought this at the time. And I finally rewatched that movie. movie's fucking awesome. Um, he's useless. He's completely useless in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, when we figure out for reasons that Lupita Nyong'o's character is really the badass. And even the kids are badass mm-hmm. in this. But Winston Duke does effectively nothing in this, mm-hmm. in this movie. He's all, like, threatening and everything. And, of course, I'm sure this is by design from Jordan Peele saying, like, we're going to take, you know, the macho dude, you know, patriarch out of the way. But when he does get a chance to do something, he gets his ass beaten by mm. his doppelganger, who is ostensibly stronger than him, who is, you know, crazier than him. And, you know, he beats the shit out of him all the way. In fact, he beats the shit out of him at the house. And so he should be dead. Right. And for some reason, because he saw the boat and like he's got this attraction to the boat, he brings Winston Duke's character down to the boat mm-hmm. to, to bring him on there for no reason really at all. In that, in the uh, the little uh, uh, trash bag, and so somehow, just by lucky happenstances, Winston Duke actually like overwhelms this character. Then he overwhelms him again, and then he kills him. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't make sense. He should be he should be fucking dead, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> he should be dead like four or five times yeah. in that sequence alone, and yet he somehow survives. Mm-hmm. And He's he's completely useless. He should be dead early in the movie a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah. So he's a lucky bastard, you know, relative in this universe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So we're ending on a positive note. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't die, at least for that period of time. Yes. <laughs> hey, guys, it's time to talk about movie again. Yes! <laughs> and Barrett has been infused with some sort of... I was going to say, like we always do, where we go, movie, but Barrett has a demon. And now the power of Christ compels you, Barrett. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> I'm very excited. Anyway, it's time to talk about movie. And uh, we are, um, I mean, yet again, there's a lot of selections on here that, oh, you know, where ha- where do you start, right? Well, I watched a movie called My Name is Joe. 
Um, Ken Loach, eh? And Ken Loach. And uh, it stars Peter Mullen, who you might remember as Sid in Children of Men. Oh, uh, yes. And Sid. he's also in Braveheart briefly when uh, William Wallace does his uh, uh, speech and and uh, he's like uh, no we will go back and we will live and all that yeah. he's the, he's the guy in the crowd that says that uh but uh, anyway he's the lead in this and uh it's about a guy who is uh he's a recovering alcoholic he's been in aa for 10 months uh he's he's been clean for 10 months and um he uh he meets this woman and uh they st- this woman who is like a health visitor i don't know if that's a thing in the uk i don't know if we have a health visitor here mm, in the states hmm. but she's someone who goes to people's houses and like tells them basic stuff about uh, uh, taking care of their children and stuff like that it's like a social worker i guess yeah kind of parallel yeah so she works at a like a small like ent kind of uh yeah, kind of doctor's office but uh so he's sort of rough around the edges and she's, you know, very, you know, straight up like, you know, normal type person or whatever. But they they uh, through some various things, they they fall in love. And it's and it's basically uh, how can he continue? Can he do what he wants to do or do or live his life uh, that has a lot of like, you know, things on the fringes out there. Like he knows gangsters and he knows people who associate with gangsters. And, mm. and, uh, and, you know, at one point there's a, there's a point where he has to make a decision whether or not he is going to go back into that life, uh, and, and risk this new relationship that he has. Mm. And he's, he's rough around the edges enough. He, she's, she's so patient and everything that you're like, Oh, well he can probably get away with anything, but there are limits. Mm. There are limits. I really enjoyed the movie because it was, uh, it's, you don't see adult relationship dramas like this very often Yeah, where everything is, people are making mature decisions or if they're making immature decisions, it's, it's something that could actually really affect their life. Like you see, see like younger stuff, Stuff, you know yeah. it doesn't really affect yeah. much this is a guy who's like you know up in age late 30s or whatever this is something that could really like be a tipping point for him if he doesn't uh if he doesn't do this right and everything um but i really really enjoyed it it's very simple very but it's it's got it's uh it doesn't ever get uh like super like a melodramatic or mm-hmm. anything like that it's really good hmm. you're right you don't see movies like that <clears throat> ever no and maybe it, it happens more like on the european side and we're just not really accessing them yeah there's just i don't i don't think there's a market for this type of movie out here except for art house yeah, type yeah. of stuff yeah. so um all the more reason to get movie yeah because even though we are cinephiles this is not something that we would necessarily seek out right mm-hmm. like we've heard of ken loach um i don't know what his most famous work is uh but you know he's a recognizable name another recognizable name is asia argento mm-hmm Mostly because, uh, unfortunately for her, well, fortunately for her paycheck, is Triple X. The first Triple X with uh, Vinny Diesel. Ah. Uh, she was the, the girlfriend of the mob boss in that movie. Okay. She, uh, she's, the, of course, the, uh, the daughter of Dario Argento, the famous giallo horror director in Italy. And in 2000, she said, fuck y'all, I'm going to start directing. Instead, she's beautiful, she's gorgeous, she's got this this wonderful acting career. She wants to go into directing. So she directed a movie, semi-autobiographical uh, movie called Scarlet Diva. And it is, like, unflinching at, at her life. Like, she got into drugs, she got into sex, she got into all kinds of crazy stuff um, throughout her whole life. 
and she's very honest about it. Now, this is an Italian joint, like fairly indie, quote unquote indie, and so the production values are butt. But <laughs> uh, the content is amazing. She is terrific in this. She's playing essentially a version of herself. Uh, the shots that she pulls off are incredible. There's a lot of casual fucking in this movie. Yeah. I mean, everybody is fucking everybody. There's one scene, well, there's a couple of scenes where she's just like walking by and her friend is fucking her boyfriend. And she's just like, okay, I got to go. And I was thinking to myself, I don't think that's ever happened to me. Where I've just kind of like walked by we're, a couple of people casually fucking. You were okay with your friend fucking your girlfriend? Well, like mid-fuck. Like they're just out there in the kitchen and you're just like, all right, well, you know, I got to go pick up the car from the oil change place. Mm -hmm. But this this happens in this movie. Okay. So a lot of casual fucking. Mm -hmm. Very empowering. Like she is in control of herself. Now, whatever decisions he makes may be not good. Mm -hmm. This movie also has a very serious scene, which I don't even know if it played serious at the time. But it recreates a time where a, a very wealthy American producer goes to a hotel room and invites her up. He's in his robe, and he's oh. played cartoonishly. And he says, basically, you know, I'm really tired because I just got off of my private jet. Why don't you give me a, a massage? And she's like, I'm, I'm, that's not what I do. I don't give him a massage. She's like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. And he takes the robe off completely naked. Mm -hmm. And then tries to rape her. Mm -hmm. um, I think we all know who this is. Yes. <clears throat> well, this is a story that Asia Argento apparently had been telling for years. Mm. And apparently, and not to bring the party so far down, but she got away in the movie. She did not in real life. Mm. Uh, so it's interesting how this is depicted. He is absolutely a cartoonish image. He's mm -hmm. a buffoon. Yeah. Uh, but it's still certainly now with the knowledge that we have, it is really really uncomfortable to watch mm -hmm. did this film come out 2000 wow yeah so like 16 years 17 years mm -hmm. before he even really had to face any music mm -hmm. before anybody believed anybody that's true that's yeah. true. That was the problem yeah so she's putting the shit out there way back then and there's no mistaking it even pre-2017 you mm -hmm. know if you've heard any type of rumors or whatever uh so it's very arresting like cool. once you you know how you watch those movies like I don't know. Pie is an example where like it doesn't have the production budget, but like after it takes you just a little bit to get into it, and then you're off and running. Mm -hmm. Same thing here. This is just really, really interesting uh, direction, amazing acting, and I would totally recommend Scarlet Diva, Asia Argento, hmm. uh, talented filmmaker, actress, like everything. She's really on top of things. Awesome. Yeah. Now, what what is the what is the bonus that our listeners can get if they if you wanted to watch the casual fucking in mm -hmm. uh, in uh, mm -hmm. Scarlet Diva, watch the whole movie, mm -hmm. but stay for the casual fucking. Right. Um, you can get movie right now. Movie.com slash cinema sins. 30 days free. M-U-B-I dot com slash cinema sins. This is a curated, in case it's not clear from what we're saying, this is a curated service that basically exposes you to new cinema that you wouldn't normally necessarily seek out. Uh, well-known directors, maybe their lesser-known stuff, like just classic gems. There's a mix of everything. You can get 30 days of it uh, for free going to movie.com slash cinema sins. We absolutely love this service. That's why we've been talking about it so much. If you haven't already, sign up right now. 30 days free. Uh, we got to go on over to some uh, recommends and warns. Woohoo! 
totes amaze balls. They're great. It won the Academy Award. Oh, for what? For best movie ever made. I'm going to warn a movie that probably very few people had on their radar. (laughs) Okay. Isn't it romantic? Ooh. Rebel Wilson movie that came out earlier this year. The PG-13 romantic comedy yes, thing the, where, where she's the first plus-sized comedian to star in a comedy. <laughs> that's correct. I, it's hard not to remember that as you watch this um, because it's so historic. Um, when the, yeah, the movie is, is she gets her, she hits her head like everybody in these comedies do, hits her head, and then she's suddenly transported into what is an average romantic comedy right mm. and so this is the movie's vehicle by which they are saying this is this these romantic comedies they sure are dumb aren't they <laughs> but it's a hyper hyper realized version of a romantic comedy there's hardly anything that that sort of there's hardly anything that feels recognizable to an average romantic comedy in this Mm. yeah it's funny new york cleans up real good in a romantic comedy they don't smell it doesn't smell bad anymore that type of thing those are the type of things that we make it makes sense make fun of but like going over the brooklyn bridge and like uh, a whole bunch of doves are in a heart shape going (laughs) across that doesn't really happen um (laughs) The, uh, the Liam Hemsworth character, uh, basically speaks all in platitudes and quotes and everything. Is he the main love interest in this? Yeah. We, no, Adam Devine is actually. Oh, okay. He's, if there, if there's anything that this movie gets quote unquote right, it's the guy that, or the guy or girl that is not seen as the, the real romantic, uh, uh, interest in the movie is really the romantic interest so like before she gets her head hit it's obvious that adam divine really really into her and everything she thinks that he likes he's he he likes models and stuff so like there's a there's a banner outside of a model and he keeps he she keeps seeing him look at the the banner and and everything it actually leads to a pretty actually decent scene at the end it's Mm. maybe the only thing good about this movie Mm. there's a good scene at the end um but like everything about this just doesn't feel right. Like it, like it, it you've been transported into a PG 13 romantic comedy, but you haven't really, there's nothing familiar to it. Obviously I, I, it's just not funny is what it comes down to, yeah, right? Yeah. Everything that they're supposed to be funny in this isn't really. Um, and, uh, and, and so like they, it, that's the reason why it just ends up not being good. But I feel like just the, the idea of it, like making all the characters like of course she's got uh, a gay best friend character in this uh, and the and and they make point to say that he sets back gay rights 400 years and uh, all that that's yeah that i mean I, I understand romantic comedies have that friend but not to that point not to this like outrageous point where it's like we're really making fun of this we're really skewering this and you're not really. You're just giving yourself an excuse to do that character. I wonder who's who's what this movie's audience is. I mean, I think it's women who think romantic comedies are are stupid or or know or realize that there are there are stupidity. There are things that they overlook in romantic comedies. But this type of stuff in this, like I said, there's just nothing familiar. Yeah, like uh, it, it like everything they seem to skewer in this is like. I don't really know this as there's a, okay. So one of the big things in it is, uh, Liam Hemsworth is super rich 
And it doesn't make sense that he's in love with Rebel Wilson at all. Mm. And meanwhile, Adam Devine's character falls in love with Priyanka Chopra. Mm. And she's super rich. And it really would make more sense for Liam Hemsworth and Priyanka Chopra to, to, to be together because they have the exact same thing. But there's a whole thing where they're like, he and her, Liam Hemsworth and Priyanka Chopra have this like big, like, um, like they they're like trying to like uh outdo each other on their wealth and everything hmm. like i was uh uh i was going to invite you guys on my helicopter to the party in the hamptons uh tomorrow but i guess you since you already have a helicopter and all the you know it's that it's that type of thing like what in romantic comedies has there ever been a situation yeah. where like this whole like wealth disparity thing yeah, happened? Yeah. i mean i don't know it's just a I, 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 it's one of those things where I was like, okay, I'm in the mood for some sort of comedy. Yeah. This movie looked mildly interesting back in the day. I'm going to pop it in. I'm going to give it a chance. And yeah, I didn't like it. You watched it. it so that we don't have to. I did. You own it? I took one for the team. Of course I own it. <laughs> it's I, open. It's one of the 30% of movies that are actually open. I don't go, I don't go to, yeah, exactly. I don't go to Best Buy and just buy the stuff we need. That's stupid. I buy everything. <laughs> so, oh boy. I've got some movies on the collection that are just like, why? Why'd you buy that? Man, Six just, days, seven nights? Because I can. Obvi- I, I don't have that. Oh, I like that. I was working at the 27 when that came out. Yeah, that movie's no good. No. That movie's no good. No. <laughs> that was no a, good. that was a movie that ended, uh, Harrison Ford's, like, uh, streak. He had a big streak going. He did? And uh, that was supposed to be like, you know, like, oh, people were like, I don't know. This doesn't look like it's going to keep the streak going of hits. And it sure didn't. <laughs> yeah. The whole thing was miscast and miswritten. Yeah, and yeah. 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 I am going to recommend a movie that I almost recommend. Okay. And that's Ad Astra. Mm. Oh, okay. Mm. Now, I. <sighs> I have mixed feelings about this movie, but I think there is so much good in it. But that's why it ended up being a recommend. All right. Uh, I tweeted out that this is two movies wrestling for dominance. One is um, an action space almost caper. And the other is uh, a melancholy examination of identity and purpose and father-son stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have sort of a... I think I joked to somebody that it's like Apocalypse Now, but it wants to also have Full Metal Jacket's action scenes <laughs> interspersed in between. And <laughs> I don't feel like it works. I know at least one person I've talked with publicly on Twitter thinks it works. That uh, person is an optimist. Um, <clears throat> the stuff that, that works, the first hour, really, I almost leaned over to Chris when they're on the moon trying to get to the dark side in a hurry because it's easier to not be killed by moon pirates on the dark side <laughs> of the moon. I almost turned to Chris and said fucking loving this because it hadn't done so much of the narration pondery what is life what is the meaning of la 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 but after that pretty much after he gets to mars and you have uh surprise uh russian doll oh you have natasha leone show up for no reason and then hmm. it's a funny ass story because she's in this movie because she invited herself over to the director's house for dinner. She was passing him in a hallway and said, I smell your food every weekend. Uh, I want to know what it tastes like. He invites her over. They're talking about what he's working on. She ends up with a cameo role in this movie uh, on Mars. She's like the intake receptionist at Mars. Um, but then we sort of lose all of the action-y, fun, capery stuff. 
And it's really becomes this psychological. I feel like if the narration were written better, it might have been an, it might have been a home run. But a lot of the narration is just it's like greeting card bad. It's like, really, I'm finally free of my father or am I my father now? Yeah, <laughs> and it's just the kind of stuff where, like you, th- this was deep on paper, but once you actually had somebody say it out loud, it's like that. I want to. I already want to recut this movie, a la Passengers, <laughs> and kill every bit of narration ah. and just let him be on screen silent and see if that doesn't convey the same shit. Because hmm. I bet it does. Hmm. But there's so much cool stuff. It opens with this space antenna where you think he's on a space station, but you find out it's just this antenna that stretches from Earth all the way up to space, mm. and then there's an explosion isn't and he it, falls. Isn't it part of the International Space Station, though? Like that antenna? That was not... Well, maybe. That was not... Maybe. That was not the vibe I got. Okay. The vibe I got was that it at least connected to the ground below. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was just some like some extra stuff they've added to that to the station, but I, did, I didn't know for sure. I think it was... I think it's different because even... Almost all the way down to the ground, you can see that metal structure. Anyway, he falls. Mm. It's very riveting, grabbing, awesome. Then he has to go to the moon, mm. and there's uh, apparently the moon is full of pirates and uh, has Hudson News stores at the at the oh, lo- yeah. lunar airport. <laughs> um, but I felt like the action chase scene on the on the rovers was cool, and they're trying to get to the dark side of the moon, and he ends up jumping over this crater thing, and the car is spinning, and I was digging it, man. Huh. There was a lot of cool shit that may not have been original ideas, but like tweaked how it was presented on screen and then there's plenty of great space porn uh interstellar like 2001 like where he's floating pl- past saturn or whatever there's some good shit in here man uh, i just didn't really all add up for me and then in the second half we get the horror monkeys um mm-hmm. which i th- i think was just an attempt to oh we, we were an action movie at one point we better <laughs> throw an action scene in here um and uh, I think Brad Pitt's fantastic in the movie. Did you um, like the philosophical, ponderous part from a conceptual perspective? Yes. In fact, what I think I said in my tweet is if they'd veered hard either direction, I think it, it would have been a home run for me. If it had been if it had been all psychological, ponderous examination and space porn, it would have felt like 2001. I think mm-hmm. I could have eaten that up. Uh, if it had been all action, passengery, space trinket, gee whiz... <laughs> I think I would have eaten that. But it's trying to be both. Mm. I guarantee you, they cut a lot out of this movie. Yeah. I was surprised it was at right at two hours. Yeah. It uh, seemed like a movie that was going to be a two and a half to three hour movie. Yeah. Well, and it feels it feels like four hours long when you're watching it, and yet I still feel like it should be longer. I feel like they cut too much. Hmm. Um, but anyway, I, I would give it a B plus probably. I really had fun watching it. Um, but it's got some flaws, and I, I, I just want you to know yeah. those going in. I will still see it. There should be uh, a mini pot of this before uh, this podcast comes out, where Jonathan and I talk about this. Now we didn't talk about how badly written the narration was, but it is completely unnecessary in so many spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of those type of things where, like, the question that you are asking as a viewer, he asks in. It, like detail on the screen and you're like yeah i can understand that you might be like that because i'm like that well there's, there's even no that reason. scene where one of the astronauts is clearly inexperienced and scared he's like sweating and looking at the controls and it cuts to brad pitt and you hear him narrate he's scared yeah yeah <laughs> and i was like well no fucking shit dude right. I know that, and i know you know that it's constantly telling us stuff we already know it's not like 
Wolf of Wall Street type narration right. where there's some like added kind of and Goodfellas where it's like a there's an added content to the narration or informant. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's more it's more about just telling you exactly what you already need you know, know and it's some of it also like it feels like the thin red line but then the thin red line has its purpose too and its narration mm-hmm. but this doesn't it just has its it's basically just sort of like well we gotta this is going to be nothing but brad pitt staring off into space so so many times we need to have something that fills the void and it you sounds, don't really yeah it sounds almost like a blade runner situation i wonder if eventually there'll be a director's cut like what you're saying where they cut the narration well, and again, this was this was pushed back twice, mm-hmm. maybe because of the Fox acquisition at Disney. Who's to say? It does feel like a movie that they were trying to find in editing, and that may be why they pushed it back a couple times, because they didn't quite have it where they wanted it. I think there's probably two good hours of footage I would pick and choose from to make this a perfect movie. And yeah, I would kill 95% of all the narration. The, mm. the, the space monkey thing is probably the worst like addition or, or thing they kept in, not because it wouldn't have been awesome in another movie, which is something that you've touched on, but uh, just the fact that they have gotten on this, it just seems like a, just a total sidetrack for the mm-hmm. movie. Just like something, just let's just add this in. Um, and, and all the reasonings that they have, like, the captain says, uh, says we have to go after the, the distress signal. That's the law. We have to do that. And Brad Pitt, who's on the secret mission is like, is like, well, no, that's not part of the mission. We can't do that. We have, I have a time crunch and everything. And then the guy's like, well, if you tell us what your mission is, we can not. He says, this is crazy. He says, you outrank us. If you want to take control of the craft, you can, but then you have to tell us what your mission is, which is fucked up and weird. But then later on, he takes control of the craft anyway to land that shit and yeah. doesn't have to tell anybody what his mission is. <laughs> yep. Uh, so it was tacked on like, well, we got to We got to kill the captain and get him on. We got to kill 15 minutes and kill the captain. Space monkeys. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Evil. <laughs> face-biting space monkeys. <laughs> Since this comes out after uh, the mini-pod, did you like the movie? I, I We both gave it a B-minus. Okay. Uh, there, like, like Jeremy said, there's enough in it that's good that make you interested in watching it. It definitely doesn't get into that C territory, but like, if it could have... Like, it's funny, the beginning of this movie is what I feel like Artemis is going to be, like if, when, mm. if that movie ever gets made. Uh, because Artemis talks about the... Uh, you know the commercialization of space travel and the moon and all that uh all of that stuff seems like what artemis is going to be uh so like if they had made that movie they would have been essentially making artemis yeah and yeah. maybe that's what they were trying to avoid yeah i liked that i liked all the like sp- like consumer space travel is none of it's not a movie it's not an idea ad astra came up with mm-hmm. but i liked the scene like he says can i have a pillow and blanket pack and she's like <laughs> sure it'll be 398 dollars." <laughs> <laughs> i liked all those little touches even seeing the hudson newsstand on the lunar and an airport. applebee's <laughs> and an applebee's oh that's funny <laughs> Oh my God! All right, I get to know. Yeah, so there you go. I've got one that you can see right now if you wanted to, uh, if you have Netflix, I guess. Uh, the Between Two Ferns movie. Okay. Mm. Are you, either of you guys? Fam- well, I, I know you're familiar, but like, do you like the the series, the web series? No. Um, I like I like what I've seen Galifianakis do on stand up. Mm-hmm. I think he's been funny in movies. Mm-hmm. I read a couple things recently that make it sound like he's an awesome dude in real life. 
but the 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 awkward cringe for the sake of it of this series has always been ratcheted up to 11 and i just i don't find that funny yeah that's maybe part of why i've heard i've heard a lot of people say they don't enjoy the office which i've never watched because it is cringe humor Mm -hmm. i'm not a big fan of that cringe humor if i think the office is probably not anywhere near as bad as between two ferns but the joke seems to be how awkward can i make everybody and i can only take so much of that i I was i was i now that i don't like cringe humor at all but i watched the entire series the office so like it Mm -hmm. was one of those where they found just the right balance, but there were parts in the office where I was like, oh, no, no, God, no. you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> um, and uh, and so like between two ferns, I found it alternating between if it depends on who the guest is. Mm-hmm. I found it funny. Like yeah. Charlize Theron seems to have no idea what she's in for until about halfway through <laughs> hers. And then she gets, she starts laughing, like gets a, like an uh, hysterical laughing fit yeah, yeah, in yeah. her episode. Yeah. And it becomes funny. It becomes funny when they kind of know what they're in for. Yeah. And then he says the awkward stuff because then they're like, they've got a preparedness to it. Yeah. And yeah, everything. Yeah. So like, I feel like this movie, everybody's prepared for it. Everybody's prepared. You can, you can't tell that everybody's in on the joke okay. at the time. I knew it going into it. And I guess you will now too. Uh, but. Even so, and I'm like you guys, I'm not a huge cringe humor guy, but for whatever reason, I've always liked this series. Mm-hmm. And this movie is not good. It's like 82 minutes. This series has no business being an actual movie. Mm-hmm. But man, I laughed my ass off during this movie. Hmm. And it's got the most ridiculous star power. It starts off with McConaughey. That proves to be a pretty uh, payoff bit. I'll give away one of the jokes. So Keanu Reeves comes in very early in the movie and he's doing his, his stick basically. He's like, you know, do you uh, find it offensive or is it empowering that you're looked upon as being the least like knowledgeable or least uh, uh, smart person in Hollywood? And Keanu looks like kind of confused. And Zach Galifianakis is like, do do one stomp for yes, two stomps for no. <laughs> it's fucking great and they have to go on the road and the star power that they get on the road is ridiculous he goes to dave letterman uh brie larson tessa thompson who he keeps referring to as tesla thompson right uh benedict cumberbatch a lot of marvel guys paul rudd is in this it's it's ridiculous will ferrell plays himself at the funny or die uh headquarters in los angeles and he plays of course like the outsized version of himself like i all i'm interested in is money and i don't give a shit about the the actual uh person and all that stuff and it shouldn't work but it works on a level and i i compare it a little bit to dr cat's professional therapist the old cartoon the squiggle vision cartoon mm-hmm. uh where with h john benjamin and jonathan Katz, where it's it's a vehicle for the comedians to do bits but the funniest parts are when like Jonathan Katz starts interacting with them or like Ben starts interacting with them and it, it becomes awkward, but not cringy. And that's what I think this movie is. I think it's well worth a watch. It's not perfect. It's not even really good, but it's funny. All right. Yeah. 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 So okay. I think you would like this movie. Oh, uh, I probably will. Yeah. And it's just, it may be a little bit too cringy for you. And, uh, as Aaron, we were talking to Aaron Dice earlier, uh, the credits part of this is the best part of the movie. Hmm. All right. Um, I'm going to recommend the Intouchables. 
French movie? The original? French, the original. Nice. They made they made the remake uh came out earlier this year, January, called The Upside. Mm. Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston. Um yeah, The Intouchables uh came out in 2011, I believe. Isn't this on the IMDb or AFI like top? It might be. I know the IMDb like has it at 8.5, which wow. is a very high rating. Yeah. Uh, just for comparison, like the, I think the number one is still Shawshank Redemption and it's 9.3. Mm. So that's what kind of what you're getting at in this one. Um, I had, I, it's hard to temper your expectations when a movie like this, and I had been putting it off forever. And in fact, when we were, I was working at Hollywood 27, we had this movie and I just didn't get a chance to watch it. Um, and then I've had it on Blu-ray forever in cellophane sitting there forever. Oh, you've had it for a while? I've had it forever. Uh, finally found a time to to watch it and it is as good as advertised really oh yes um the uh it's it's one of those things where the uh the actors in this are so um are so um likable and um so the so the the guy who plays the guy in the wheelchair his name's philippe francois clouzette He's great, but Omar Sy or Omar C, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. His his last name is S Y. Um uh steals this movie completely cuz he's just so funny. Uh just taking off on all the things that this that this Philippe guy likes. And Philippe hires him initially because all the other people who have been hired for this position to be a caregiver and everything they all have this phony sense to them. Like, I just want to do this to help people or, or they're a little bit too blunt. I'm doing this for the money. Cause he's or, rich, right? He's very rich. And, um, and, uh, and Omar, Omar Sy comes in, he plays this guy named Driss. Um, he comes in and he's just applying for the job so that, uh, unemployment can continue to give him benefits and everything. Uh, and he comes in, he's just basically like, all right, just tell me I'm not good enough for this job and just sign my paper and I'll be on my way. And, uh, and Philippe really likes this. He really likes that attitude and everything. Uh, and so while Driss is rough around the edges and he comes from like a, a poor background and everything, uh, the guy is very honest about things and teaches Philippe to look at things in different ways and, and everything and just their interaction two unlikely people to be friends becoming friends i don't think it's ever been as more satisfying as i've seen in this movie hmm. it doesn't seem like they're just kind of like like well because he's such a good guy he's such a cool guy this is why philippe likes him and you, know, you should just agree that they're friends it really feels organic huh. that they're the that they become these kind of friends by the end of it and everything I highly recommend this movie. Hmm. Uh, this is one of those that um, uh, it's one of those where I, you know, you, you, even though I tempered my expectations, I was still able to like I agree with what the consensus consensus is. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, I've heard nothing but exactly that that type of thing. That mm. this is just an amazing movie, and it doesn't sound like it's anything. I'm speaking out of my ass, but like anything special you know what i mean like anything like groundbreaking story-wise nope. or anything like that it Just really isn't well executed I there's guess, yeah right? there's the there's a whole scene where uh philippe has a i think it's a birthday party where he has uh all these he has a 
an orchestra come over and play all these classics and everything during the birthday party and so they're playing all these songs and so driss is hearing some of these songs some of them for the first time but he also has heard some of these songs in other other areas he's like oh i know this one he's like i know this song uh it's the one when you call the 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 this office in uh, paris or whatever <laughs> it's the wait. it's the call waiting music or whatever or it's like, this is a, this is on it's like this is on a commercial and it's like and then there's like one where he's like then this is this one feels like you're riding on a horse and you just see him like <laughs> like just doing the little motion of riding on a horse and everything it's this big montage of this type of stuff it's really fun man it's a really good movie nice i gotta check it out yep i gotta do it um i'm gonna recommend a movie from 2016 that i've wanted to watch but i only just recently caught last week called midnight special okay this is michael shannon uh kirsten dunst is in this adam driver uh joel edgerton uh the director is a guy named jeff nichols who made the movie mud yeah uh, and he also Mud's good made the movie loving with joel edgerton which got a little bit of awards oh buzz. the yeah. uh the interracial, interracial yeah, yeah. couple um <clears throat> this is fantastic uh it's got the kid who plays bill in the it movies yeah um only two years younger Jaden martell Yes, uh, although now he's going by some E last name. Oh, really? After it. He's, he's credited as Martel in this, and now he's like Jacob Elder Tour or something. Hmm. I think he's changed his stage name. Um, okay. Clearly talented kid, even before I'd ever seen him in it. I'm watching this movie not knowing it's him, and I was like, that's the kid from, that's the kid from it. And then I went and Googled it, and it said Martel, and I was like, that's not the kid from it. Anyway, <laughs> um, basic premise is dad, Michael Shannon, taking his son, who is special, uh, away from what appears to be a extreme Mormon compound type religious environment where they live in their own city and they. Well, have you ever seen any of that? Um, what's the guy's name? Warren Jeffs? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, so it yeah. appears to be that kind of a You're talking about specialism has special powers, right? Yes, although the movie is coy about it for a while okay um, so they just so they're just saying special gifted okay unique meant for bigger things mm-hmm. um there's even a moment in the car um where joel edgerton has decided to help out um and they're trying to get away from the religious fanatics but also the cops are after them mm-hmm. because it's being treated as kind of like a kidnapping um <clears throat> and the kid is in the back seat and he starts spouting gibberish and Joel Edgerton looks over at Michael Shannon, who's driving. He's like, turn on the radio and move the channels around. And he starts moving the channels around. And what's being said matches what the kid in the back seat is saying hmm. perfectly. And then they go to this gas station and stop. And the kid, they're like, stay in the car. And they go inside the gas station. Of course, the kid's not going to stay in the car. Let's check off, stay in the car. Yeah. Uh, so the kid gets out and walks and looks up in the sky. And he reaches his hands up. And this motherfucker pulls a satellite out of the sky and pieces of flaming satellites start pew, 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 pew. And they pick him up and they run to the van and he's got powers, baby. (laughs) And so they get to Kirsten Dunst. That's his mom. She hasn't seen him in forever. Uh, And by the end of the movie, there may or may not be. I don't think it spoils anything to say. Well, maybe it does. Adam Driver is an analyst who ultimately becomes the expert on this kid, even Mm. though nobody really knows what he is. Gets close enough, he gets to interview him. Kid shows off some of his tricks. Adam Driver may decide to help out, reunite him with dad. Uh, I don't want to say any more, but I want to say more. I I really enjoyed it. I would give this a solid A, A- um, because uh, 
it's like three or four very unique movies all layered into one kind of road trip. Um, and uh, I just was riveted. I can't remember hearing about this movie. It, it seems I, like it's something that would be on my radar. I don't think, well, I only heard of it flipping channels. Hmm. So I don't know if it hit theaters or had a wide release. Um, but I know I've seen it mentioned on online a few times uh, as, a, could you check out this movie if you like this movie? And I just never did until wow. recently. And I really, really liked it. This guy yeah. also did a movie called Take Shelter, which I've heard is really good and I haven't seen. It has Michael Shannon in it as mm. well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to check some stuff out. I'll tell you what not to check out. What's that? 2010's The Tourist. Oh, geez. Johnny yep. Depp? Johnny Depp and uh, Angelina Jolie. This is the one where he's supposed to be... Like the man who knew too little, like he's caught up in this thing he doesn't know he's caught up in. Yep. Yeah. 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 He's a tourist. I've seen this. It's not good. He's American. And he goes over to uh, to uh, to Venice and uh, meets this. Uh, he's, he's on a train with this beautiful exotic lady played by Angelina Jolie. And she has she has something behind the eyes. She's got a whole thing going on. <clears throat> Two amazingly beautiful people. 2010. So kind of at the height of their powers. Beautiful setting, beautiful music, like a, a nice little like uh, kind of cat and mouse plot and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Partially written by Christopher McQuarrie. Mm. All the the pedigree for something good, right? Yep. Fuck no. No. So what they're trying to do, very obviously, and this is uh, Florian Hinkle von Donnersmark. Who did The Lives of Others. There is another reason why this movie has a pedigree. That movie's amazing, right? The Lives of Others is fucking fantastic yes apparently he and his co-writers took a week to rewrite this script Mm -hmm. and it filmed like in a crazy amount of time like 11 days or something like that which is crazy because the movie is slow (laughs) and boring there's a slow speed chase in in venice where they had to stay a certain speed limit under a certain speed limit in the canals and so it goes like like you're like a pedal boat, basically. And you're supposed to be getting hyped about it. But it's like they're going three miles an hour. The, the filming, people, the production had to stay below a certain... Correct. And they didn't try to film like it was speeding up or anything. That's interesting. They just went at the three miles an hour. People are running on the side of them and, and like keeping up with the boats. <laughs> I'm like, why are you in the fucking boat in the fucking first place? And what they're what they're going? God damn this fucking movie! I was watching it like, ah, what? Do something! Do something! And they were going for like a old school international, like Cary Grant and Audrey Hepburn or like Gene Harlow or something yeah. like that. And they were like, oh, beautiful people, kind of serpentine plot, and let's let's uh, go, you know. And it, it didn't go. It's slow it's and it's shitty. And there's a twist at the end. That like had the movie been better, would have been oh really cool. And I swear to God, it had to have been the only contribution from Christopher McQuarrie, because and it's thrown in at the last fucking second. Then you know, cut to credits. But man, I tried to give this movie a shot like nine years after it came out, and I hated it. Mm-hmm. I hated myself for watching it. But I I, I just I, at one point I was like. I'm going to see it to the end. <laughs> I definitely I definitely I definitely saw this movie but uh I don't even remember the twist you're talking about. That's, well, it's that's, because it, it's thrown it may be the last line of dialogue. Um but uh this movie um made money. I mean like domestically 67 million, not very much, 100 million dollar budget, but yeah. it made 
278 worldwide. Yeah. Christ. Because it was it, the the weird thing about this is that it got nominated for a few Golden Globes mm-hmm. for comedy. Yeah. Now, now this was one of those movies that I think a lot of people brought up was a definite example of the Hollywood Foreign Press getting wined and dined <laughs> to to give it nominations because. Yeah. Nobody thought this movie was awards worthy. It's the craziest thing. Yeah, it's got it's got a terrible overall aggregate score. Like uh this was one of those uh Ricky Gervais hosted Golden Globes and he just like roasted the shit out of them. Mm-hmm. And Depp's defense was, yeah, you know, it made 278 million. Yeah, yeah. But fuck this movie in all of its holes simultaneously yeah <laughs> every hole of this movie you are sounding like a fucked. gangster from the wire right now i'm gonna fuck you in all three holes <laughs> um <laughs> Still haven't seen the wire. uh yeah this movie came out uh december 10th 2010 along with chronicles of narnia voyage of the dawn treader that was a banner weekend right that was there. the end, that was the end of chronicles of narnia <laughs> after that movie came out and uh, the end of the tourist well uh that'll do it for this week uh keep going to uh sincast presented by cinema sins on facebook cinema sins twitter music video sins twitter we have a uh, uh, discord if you want to get on discord and you haven't yet go to facebook and uh get uh get me on the private messages i'll send you a link uh strings 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 yes strings has been out for a week at this point that's right it's so good what are you waiting for yeah what the hell are you I'll waiting tell you what, for I, I, we mentioned this during like the the patreon hangout thing that we uh did just before this but i really like the idea of the cast of it the kids cast of it in your book yeah i think you can slot kids in bentley would be uh uh, uh finn wolfhard do you think yeah probably he'd have yeah although he's have to can Finn Wolfhard not be the jokey? Guy? Oh, that's true. Yeah, because he's know. so funny. I wonder if he can like button it up. He's uh, in the Goldfinch, isn't he? Yeah. Yes. Ah. Uh, so anyway, I like that idea, I and it's too. it's got a, a very similar dynamic to those friends that are so tight knit. Uh, it's awesome. You, you pick it up. Pick up the Ables. Go to the CinemaSins website and go through there. Get Ables. Get strings. It's awesome. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, that'll do it for this week. Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Remember when you did the scream like the space monkey in Ad Astra? <laughs> just, mm-hmm. just popped out of me. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, There's mm-hmm. a space monkey in Ad Astra? Yes. Yes. All right. For one scene there that are, is very unnecessary. There are two space monkeys. That's true. That's yeah. true. He's, there are two of them. Yes. Two yeah. space monkeys. And they're angry. They're very angry. Angry they, monkeys? They're, they're face bitey. They are, they are upset that they are on this ship. With Brad Pitt, <laughs> with I, I don't know the twenty six Norwegians who were on that ship or whoever that that was a yeah, Norwegian they, or Dutch or Netherlands. They sure ate them in a hurry though, because it was like a distress call. Yeah, and then by the time they show up to save them, everyone is et. Yeah, everyone is <laughs> everyone's dead. Et. <laughs> everyone's et bar, been at. <laughs> uh, I got a new DVD in the mail. I'm excited about. Yeah, 
Finally, on home video is that uh, rap movie Bodied that Dicer recommended. Yeah, that was a YouTube Red original or whatever. Right. We uh, we we uh, had it. We briefly mentioned it. I think last year. Yeah. And it didn't have a real trailer, and, and it didn't have a home release uh until a month ago i was on amazon and i saw it and i was like sweet and i clicked it and bought it only then to realize i had pre-ordered it but it came out <laughs> i got it in the mail yesterday or the day before mm. very excited about that he actually recommended that ahead of blind spotting and i ended up finding blind yeah. spotting first and now i think it would be hard for body to live up to blind spotting but i like the idea of a, of a, a white kid who can rap really well pushing the boundaries of what he's allowed to say in rap battles. Mm-hmm. I think that's intriguing. Yeah. Oh, is that kind of what it's about? Yeah, and produced by Eminem. Yeah, I mean, I, I just uh, I, I just admire somebody like Eminem and Beastie Boys in particular. I can't think of any, I guess, Vanilla Ice. Uh, but ha- even when they potentially, it wouldn't end their career if they did that. Uh, it's, it's very cool to me that they never even came close. Snow? Well, is Snow... A white guy? Yeah, he is. He's yeah. Canadian, baby. I don't think he ever used it. Snow, I believe, is on a recent song. It's either... Okay, no, there's two things. Snow has been steadily working since the 90s, but I think there's a new pop song out fairly recently that samples Informer. Oh, really? And it's, you know, the... Yeah. Yeah, I'm reading a review that says it's a film in which the hero seeks a pass to speak the most taboo word there is in the word in the world of white folk so he is he's seeking a pass i guess he's trying to get people to say it's okay for him to get to that point uh to i guess rap so well that he's allowed it's almost like tarantino almost Almost. tarantino had a different um different reasoning for being able to say that what was his reason because his mom dated black guys and and they threw it around liberally at his household and so he was he said he told i think the the legend is he told spike lee that i'm more black than you are some oh, I something that. like this yeah. and uh and that and spike lee beat the shit out of him <laughs> i don't even i don't even know if that was like that was probably not face to face that was probably in the press somewhere uh, but that was what um, uh, Spike Lee later, uh, he put, put Michael Rappaport in that, what was it, Bamboozled? Bamboozled, yeah. yeah that uh, where Rappaport said something along the lines that apparently Tarantino Well, and that movie's about blackface, too. Yeah. Like he performs in blackface in that movie. Yeah. That's, uh, was it, uh, it was Damon Wayans? I think it was Damon Wayans. There was a time where I... I watched everything Spike Lee made. That's why I can make jo- jokes about Girl Six and, <laughs> <laughs> and Bamboozled. I saw them all. Yeah. Bamboozled a comedy? Like, it's a wacky comedy. It's trying to be a biting... It's trying to be I Heart Huckabee's... Oh, yeah? I think. It's trying to have some bite and some comedy all at once. What a weird, like, comparison. Because you hate that movie, right? You hate I Heart Huckabee's? Yes, but in terms of what they were going for, I think it's very similar. I'm I'm already talking out of my ass. Let's move on and talk about Pixar. No, I missed I missed a lot of Pixar. I just try to change the subject. <laughs> I missed a lot of those like mid-career Spike Lee stuff. I saw Girl Girl Six, Girl Six, right? Yeah, but there's that run where he made Hurricane. He got Game Clockers, uh, Girl Six, Bamboozle was all in there. Um, I saw he got Game, uh, and I saw the Hurricane. He made the Hurricane. Yeah, didn't he? 
No, uh, that was uh, Norman Jewison who made oh, the okay. hurricane. Sorry, which Sorry. is a really good movie. Yeah, it's a good movie, but like, look, if if Denzel's the star, there's fifty fifty chance Spike Lee made that movie. <laughs> That's very true. Or Tony Scott. <laughs> I caught the very end of Fallen again last oh, night. Oh, it's so good. And Denzel, man, just owns that the, shit. The, the great the great failing of that movie is that the first three fourths aren't quite as good as that last fourth. That last twenty five percent is is just it's on another level. It is, but it's also Denzel like just single-handedly like lifting up that movie yeah because it's got narration oh, yeah. and it's got all those, those awful little cutaways to the azazel can lots of sepia <laughs> tones god i forgot how big john goodman was oh, back boy. in those days yeah. like he looked unhealthy as hell yeah he looked like uh michael douglas's partner in basic instinct <laughs> Oh, yeah. You know what would be awesome is, nice. is if he's like, yeah, come over here and let's show you how the pool works. And then like he and his wife are in like <laughs> like bikinis and like they got the wine out <laughs> and they're all like, yeah, it's a swingers party. <laughs> and little feral sketches from SNL. This is how the pool works, Jeremy. You're going to love it. Come to the hot tub. I hope when you move into this house, remember me. Oh no! Oh no! Like, why is it true? Oh no! Oh no! <laughs>